Are you an attorney that wants to help seniors have peace of mind and not go broke paying for the care that they need? But you also want to make better money than you're making right now. This is Elder Law in a Box. You'll become proficient helpers of the aging. Now your host, certified elder law attorney and past president of the National Elder Law Foundation. This is Elder Law in a Box. And this is Todd Watley. Hey there, welcome to Elder Law in a Box Coaching. Um, all right, so this is episode number three, and we're going to jump into the specifics of Medicaid. All right, now please understand, I'll try to say this every single time, but Medicaid rules are different based on the states, okay? It's federal law, it is passed by Congress, but each state has the ability to um, change things as they see fit, okay? Now, they can't just do anything, they have to follow the federal guidelines, and the federal guideline qualification is a floor, and they can be more liberal to let more people qualify for Medicaid than the federal law allows, but they cannot be more strict. And so you have to be careful. And as an elder law attorney, sometimes you do have to to fight that to say, wait a second, you're interpreting this rule or this policy so that it's more strict than federal law. And, you know, a person in your state would not qualify for Medicaid because of the way you're interpreting this as compared to someone else in another state based strictly on federal law. They can be more generous, but they can't be more strict, okay? So every state does that, and I encourage you, you you have to know your state's rules. The purpose of this is a general introduction to elder law to answer general questions, but you must look at your own policy, okay? Let's start at the basics, okay? What is Medicaid going to look at when a person is trying to qualify for their benefits. And so everything that someone has financially is either an asset or it's income. Today, we're going to talk about assets. We're going to go through and figure out what is countable toward Medicaid, toward that $2,000 number that everybody knows about. And that's not always the rule. Some states are higher, but just generally, most states have a $2,000 limit. And that's one of those rules where in some states, I know, I think some states have $5,000. If you're under $5,000, you can qualify for Medicaid in that state, but that is not a federal law. Federal law, that is one of those situations where they are being more generous than the federal law. If someone says you can only have $1,000, well, that's a problem because that is underneath the federal rules. All right. So the non-countable asset is the list of non-countable assets is way easier to describe than countable. So basically what Medicaid is going to look at everything that you own. And if you're married, they will look at everything that the spouse owns also. All right. So the non-countable assets are very well understood to be the home with equity value under the limit. In 2021, it's basically about 600,000 is the minimum. Some states choose that, other states choose just over 900,000. 
So the equity value of your home is a non-countable asset under those limits, okay? Um, anything that is in your house, any household furnishings, basically anything in the house, the garage, the attic, they're typically not going to come out and go through your house and evaluate everything and say, oh, this is worth this and that. No, they're, they just don't care. They they don't have time to do that for one thing. So therefore, household furnishings do not count, okay? And I'll go through things during the meeting and, you know, just as a general rule, household furnishings do not count, okay? One vehicle. Typically, a vehicle that is used for medical care, but typically they don't ask that. They just say one vehicle is not counted and typically you get to choose as the attorney for the applicant which car will be non-countable if they do own more than one. And so typically you'll choose the, the vehicle with the highest equity value. They can have a brand new Mercedes that's fully loaned out and has no equity value, but the $10,000 2005 truck has more value to it. So therefore you choose the truck and not the Mercedes. Okay. Pick the one with the highest equity to say, we're choosing this one as our non countable vehicle. They then move to burial plans. So a irrevocable burial plan that is laid out, that is itemized, is a non-countable asset absolutely for the applicant. And I think most states allow you to also count burial plans for family members, particularly a spouse and any dependent child. So that is a non-countable asset. And those are the, the four biggest ones, the home, the household contents, a vehicle in a burial, I, to my knowledge, that works in every single state. Some states will look at the IRA either of the applicant, if it is in payout mode, if it is annuitized or if it is paying, and sometimes the IRA of the community spouse will not be counted. That is very state-specific. You have to look and see what your state does, okay? A common question is life insurance, okay? Think about the type of insurance that a person has. So there is term. Term insurance is just like renting a house. You don't own anything. It's just you get to live there as long as you make the payment. Term insurance is the exact same way. As long as you make the payment, you have X number of dollars in death benefit. There is no cash value, so therefore that is always not counted, okay? When you get into um, universal and whole life, generally there is a cash value. So you don't look at the death benefit, you have to look at the cash value of the life insurance policy. And most states, if the cash value no, I'm sorry, if the death benefit is under $1,500, the cash value does not count. Now, why would someone have a life insurance policy with a death benefit of less than $1,500?
It's typically seen with your older clients who would buy a $500 burial policy for their kids. Well, back in the 40s and 50s, $500 probably would pay for a funeral. Today, it doesn't even start the process. But they will buy these policies and they'll pay, you know, 15 cents or a buck per month or sometimes per year for this policy that they've always paid on. They just forgot about it. And for some reason, they just don't want to get rid of it. So you, you have to look into these policies. But if if it is 15, if the death benefit is under $1,500, and some states will do a cumulative amount, all of those insurance together, if they're under $1,500, then um, the cash value doesn't count. Well, there are some companies out there, and I've I tried this once and lost, and I just didn't do it anymore because it is kind of, I think, pushing the rules, but there are some policies out there that will take $100,000 and do a $1,000 death benefit, but have this huge cash value. Technically, that falls within the rules, but I don't like those. It, it seems, I just don't like it. So anyway, look at your policies, look at what someone has, and you, you have to look at the cash value that could be a countable asset. Um, other things that kind of throw you off looking at that is oil and gas royalties, book royalties, film royalties, things like that. Typically for oil and gas, what the um, caseworker is going to do is take last year's annual payout and generally multiply that by five. So it is a, a value based on that. It's not income, it's a value. Now, that is only if they don't own the real estate that the oil and gas is attached to. If they own the real estate and it is paying oil and gas, then the value of that royalty is in the property. What they are getting from it is income and has to be reported to Medicaid as income, not as an asset, if they own that property. Okay? Um, those are the biggest confusing things that we see, you know, the most common, but just remember to do this well, you have to understand non-countable assets are always the home, household furnishings, one vehicle, prepaid burial, and sometimes IRAs if they are in payout or if they are owned by the spouse. Okay. That's assets. Okay. Everything that is not on the non-countable asset list is counted. That's bank accounts, IRAs, um, everything else that is not on that list is a countable resource and must be dealt with. And we will cover that in future episodes, okay? So if you have questions, you can always email me at todd at elderlawinabox.com. I encourage you to subscribe, get these as they come out, and then also go to our website, elderlawinabox.com. Roam around, look around. If you want more specific help from me to get you up to speed quickly to answer questions, do meetings, whatever. I do coaching and would love to work with you. Okay. Thank you very much. And we'll see you next time. 
You've been listening to Elder Law in a Box, helping you help seniors have peace of mind and not go broke paying for the care that they need. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from the show. But it doesn't stop here. If you want to learn more about letting Todd be your elder law coach, find him at www.elderlawinabox.com and find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, all at Elder Law in a Box. Thanks for listening. Until next time.